Thank you for that prayer, Kobe. All right, we got a lot to do today. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, it's going to be a full day. So not a lot of introduction today because we're going to just dive right in. As, as most of you guys know, we just finished up our study in Exodus. But as I've been praying about where we go next, I, I just keep getting this sense from the Lord that we're not quite ready to move on yet. Not from the book of Exodus, but from this idea of joining God to set people free. And as you can see from the title today, our, our study in the, today is going to be on standing for freedom. Uh, the last two Sundays we've talked about experiencing freedom, the freedom that we experience uh, through our salvation in Christ, which we just sang so beautifully about. And then we talked about what it means to give freedom away and how necessary it is for us to be living in freedom before we can give that freedom away to anybody. Uh, God was really clear for me this week that we needed to stick with that theme. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of passages today that most of us are familiar with, but I want to ask you as we read through those passages to not allow your mind and your spirit to just glaze over. Um, these things are familiar. We have preconceived ideas about what they mean. But I want us to leave room today for the Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts um, because we need it. Because the Lord has a, um, a very specific message for us today. To kind of give you a roadmap of what to expect today, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have two points this morning. Uh, and then we're going to have a little group activity. Okay, so it's not going to maybe feel like church normally does. Uh, we're going to finish that activity. And then I'm going to have a third point, I'm going to talk a little bit more, and then we're going to end with the Lord's Supper and some worship. I'm excited about what the Lord has for us today, um, so stay plugged in with us. So we're going to just jump right into this thing, okay? The first point I want to make today, and we're going to, I'm going to make the point and we're going to read some scripture, is that standing for freedom is the result of who we are in Christ. Standing for freedom is the result of who we are in Christ. We're going to look this morning at James chapter 2. We're going to read verses 14 through 26. So open up your app or your Bible, or you can read it on the screen, and let's read this together. Uh, this is God's word for us today. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and any one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the, even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by her works? When she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So this passage, I don't know about you, but in my life was commonly used as a way to convince me to do something. To work at something. It was used to, to convince us or to spur up in us emotions or a sense of, 
of ought to in order to accomplish a work. That is not my goal today. Based on my past, I see this passage in a very particular way. I've heard a lot of lessons about it. I've heard a lot of preachers talk about it. And I know how it makes me feel, right? It doesn't feel like freedom, right? To me, it feels like a to-do list. It feels like an expectation that is being held over my head. But today, I want us to look at this passage in light of one that we are all very familiar with. We're going to look at John chapter 15 today. We're not going to read the whole chapter because we know it, right? But I want to key in on a very particular section. This is John 15, verses 4 through 8. Read this with me, and then let's consider the two together. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and it withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. When we look at these two passages next to each other and we compare them, we see a, a really common theme here. James uses the word works and John uses the word fruit, but they're talking about the same thing. The result of a true growing relationship, when you and I are actively abiding in Christ, something happens. That relationship of, of, with Jesus, out of that comes this outpouring of God's character into your life. The result of that relationship is Jesus living in front of people. Think about what this means. Think about what this looks like for others. What was Jesus' one claim to fame? What is the one thing that he said he does? He only does what the Father is doing. Look at John chapter 5, verses 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So Jesus only does what the Father is doing. And if we abide, what does that mean for us? In John 14, verses 12, right before we get to John chapter 15, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And what is it that Jesus does? Only what the Father is doing. And then he goes on to say, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Jesus is saying, not only will you do the things that I am doing, you will do greater things than I have done on earth because of he who is in you. If we are abiding, which by the way is a never-ending progression until we die, if we are abiding, we will be doing the things that God is doing. Our call to join God to set people free that we've been talking about for a year is, is not a specific call for this body or just a few of us that attend here. It is the very purpose of God for the church. The purpose of the church is to be with God and share the freedom that He provides for us. We sang today, 
about the freedom, about the joy that we find in our relationship with Jesus. The point of the church is to spread the gospel, to spread the truth about who Jesus is, to be his hands and his feet in the world, and thereby bringing freedom to the people. In this passage in John 14, Jesus is saying that works and faith are not separate from one another. We don't get to choose between the two. They only happen together. They are the direct result of one another. Being in a relationship with Christ is faith in action. James is saying it and Jesus is saying it. If we are who we say that we are, if we are God's people, if we are abiding, what is important to God will be important to us. And those things we will do. Part of the reason that I titled today's message Standing for Freedom is because today is Stand Sunday. We're going to watch a quick video and it's going to explain what this is about and then I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. Go ahead, Anna. There are some areas of our lives where God gives us very specific callings. His call to me to pastor this church was very specific. His call to some of you to be life group leaders or to be an elder or to be a deacon was specific. There are other things that are simply a part of who we are because of who God is. And orphan care is one of those things. Now, I know that most of you in this room already know how I feel about orphan care, about the foster care system. But hear me out today. Please do not zone out because God has a word for us today. He is saying that foster care for orphan care is for us as a people, not just the gathering place, but as believers. If we are followers of Christ, if we are about doing the things that the Father is doing, this ministry is for us all. Point number two today, all of God's people are called to care for orphans. All of God's people are called to care for orphans. James 1.27, we all know this verse. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And then Isaiah 1, 17 says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Your call, my call, the call of those who are in a relationship with Jesus is to have the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father stands for orphans. Standing for orphans can take many different forms, but please do not hear this list as a way to just check it off. God may be calling you to foster or adopt a child or multiple. He may be calling you to support a family that is. He may be calling you to pray for these children. The point I want to make sure that everyone understands here today is that He is calling you in some way to care for the orphans in our community right here in central Louisiana. Please don't just take an easy way out with this. Don't go, oh yes, I'll pray for someone and not think about it again. Don't just assume that you are already doing what God has called you to do in this area of life. Our tendency when we, when we have something like this pointed out to us is to assume that we're good. But as we've discussed before, if we are being made like Christ, there are changes happening on a daily basis. 
We are continually growing as God is changing us, and it is a detriment to our body and to us as individuals if we simply say, I've already talked to God about that a year ago, and I'm good. Because today is a different day. Scripture is full of references to our responsibility as God people to care for those that no one else cares for. You and I are often referred to in Scripture as orphans. Again, we sang about it today. I didn't plan that. Kobe didn't know we were talking about this today. You and I are orphans. We were orphaned by sin, but God, because of who He is, saw us where we are, and He loved us. We were fatherless. We were separated from God by our sin. But because of Jesus' life and death, we have been given the opportunity to be adopted into His family. We were given hope. And God in us is the hope for the children that have none. We were hopeless, lost, wandering, and He saw us. And we are now heirs in His kingdom. He saved us. He freed us. So what do we do with this information? What do we do with the gift that we have been given? What do we do with the fact that I now know hope because of what Jesus has done? There are children right here in Alexandria that are in need of what we have been given. So how do we choose to live? Will we hoard and squander the freedom that we have? Or will we choose to share that? Will we stand for freedom? Will we stand for these children that no one else stands for? Here's what I want us to do today. And this is not, uh, this is a not if you want to, I'm asking you. I want you to come forward today. We're gonna, we're gonna, there are 18 children in Alexandria right now that are waiting to be adopted. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to come down this morning. I've got some little pieces of paper and a pen. And we're going we're gonna to play a song on the, on the audio. And there's going to be some pictures that scroll through here. And it's the children that are here in Central Louisiana. It has their first name on it. I want you to take this card. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight one of these children that you can just start by praying for. And then let's see where God takes it from there. So if you would, Anna's going to start the slideshow. Y'all come down. Everybody come get a card. This is the group activity part. We got cards, we got pens. Y'all come get them. I don't know if you've thought about this, but we have within the capacity of this church the ability to just bring all of those kids hope. This is not pressure from Will to go adopt a child. But I'm asking you to ask the Lord, what is your role in orphan care? The third point I want to make today is that being like Christ means drinking from the cup. We're going to understand that a little bit more in just a moment. We're going to read John chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kindred, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers, and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered them, 
I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was fulfilled the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servants and cut off his right ear. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword in its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Jesus was living in freedom. He was living in freedom. He had the right and the ability to completely change those circumstances. He could have thanos them. Just like that. Gone. But he didn't. He chose to fulfill his purpose. He chose to drink from the cup that the Father had given him. He chose to die. To suffer. So that we might live. He chose to suffer so that we didn't have to. Look, these... These last few weeks, I've been asking myself, or this, this question has been in my mind. And I want to preface it with this before I tell you what I'm thinking. I want, I want you to know this about me. I had this conversation with Glenn just this week. I, I am always very concerned with the tone, with the language, the, with the authenticity from which I speak when I'm standing here before you. It's important to me. But I was sharing with Glenn that I feel like a lot of my messages lately, lately have had a negative tone. And I don't want them to be that way. I want the Holy Spirit to speak in my life. And as He's done that, these are the messages that I've been giving. Look, you, you all know that there is nothing for me to gain from speaking in a negative tone, right? If I, if I had any ambition at all to want to build this into something... We know the recipes for that, right? I wouldn't dress the way I dress. I'd have a tracksuit on, have a little part in my hair, right? That's what would happen, okay? I would speak uplifting messages and everybody would leave here feeling good about themselves and be like, man, you should come to my church. It's so easy and they got great coffee. Starbucks is there or Hidden Grounds or whoever. Some of y'all just like wrote me off when I said Starbucks. I'm sorry. Like there are formulas in the world of how to be that kind of church, but I... I don't want to be that kind of church. I want to be a church where we live life. My desire for my life and for yours is that we are daily made more like Christ. I want less of me in my life and more of Him. This world is broken. And we are called to be light in the darkness. But in order for this to be light in the darkness, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to get the darkness out of our lives. And the only way that happens is by Him pointing it out. This week I was reading through 1 Thessalonians. And as I read this question again, came to my mind. And it has plagued me for nearly a year. And there's a number of them. And, and they take this form. One of the questions I ask is, why do we struggle with living for God and not for ourselves? Why do we struggle with that? Why is abiding so hard? I'm asking myself, God, where is the disconnect in my life? Look at this with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 2-7. through 7. This is Paul. And he says, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated in Philippi, as you know, We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring up from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. 
But just as if we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. See, Paul just left from Philippi where they tried to kill him because of the message of Christ that he was sharing. And he gets to Thessalonica and he begins sharing that same message. And as you read that text, you feel this sense that the danger is still near. But Paul doesn't care because the message is that good. So the question I keep asking myself is, why were Paul, why was Moses, why were so many in the Bible willing to die for the gospel and I still have to convince myself that it's a good thing to do? I think the answer is that we still don't really know Jesus. Our relationship with Him doesn't feel like it's life or death because our lives are easy. You know how if you give a child a gift and they're they're really excited about it, but that fades after a little while. But if that same child works and they save to get something that is valuable to them, their response long-term to that thing is different. They care. And the same is true for us. The point that I'm making is that our lives have been given to us and we don't have much skin in the game. I don't know about you, but my relationship with God began based on the idea that it was completely free, period. Give your life to Jesus was the words that were used and you're saved and you're good to go. And that's how my life started. But then as I grew in Christ, those words became more real to me and I realized that, wait a minute, I... Gave my life to Christ. This was not free. It was costly. To follow Christ is to leave where we are and to go where He leads. Listen, I want to make sure you understand. I'm not saying that we aren't saved. I'm saying that we are shallow in our understanding of who Jesus is because we don't really understand the value that it holds. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Look, James is incredibly clear here. We must draw near to God. We don't know freedom or give freedom because we don't draw near to Him. We still have not seen its value. Paul was willing to die because he knew God. Paul got new Excuse me, Paul knew God to the level that nothing else, not even his life, was more important than making sure that people knew who Jesus was. Listen, I want to be very clear here that I understand that we are justified by Christ's death, okay? And that's a fancy theological way of saying that our salvation is dependent only upon the work of Jesus and not on our own. Is everyone clear about that? What I am saying, though, is that in light of what we've read today, James is saying that our enjoyment of that justification is dependent upon our obedience to follow. You see, we can, we can be saved. We can ask Jesus into our hearts. We can begin a relationship with Him and then ignore Him. And that does not 
make grace go away. But our understanding and our enjoyment of the gospel, what it means to be a man and woman of Christ is lost if we are not drawing near to God. I had conversations with three different people this week. I want to share briefly with those. One of these people was in, has been in church their whole life, but's frustrated because the church feels dead. This person was an active, has always been an active member in their church, but we bumped into each other. It was God-ordained. There's no doubt about it. And she began to open her heart up to me. The, third, or the second person that I talked to um, grew up in church or around church, but just sees no life in it. He got out of high school and just said, see you church, I'm out. Because it felt dead to him. And then the third person that I spoke to had no church experience at all. He grew up in this area and all he knows of Christ is what he's gleaned from culture. But God opened a door with all three of these people this week for me to have a conversation with them. To talk about the grace of God. To talk about abiding. To talk about living in community. And all three of them had the same response. They couldn't believe it. As I began to describe what I have experienced in my relationship with Christ, they go, there's no way, man. There's no way that's real. Because if that was real, all churches would be like that. We are surrounded by people who desperately need what we are hoarding, what we are keeping to ourselves. There are people in our lives who need to understand that God loves them. There are children waiting for their forever families. Look, this is not just about how we spend our time. It's not about how much money we give. It's about drawing near to God. It's about giving all that we have to Him. That's what He's asking for. And it may be our time. It may be our money. It may be our lives. Listen, we've got ministry happening in this community right here around our church people's lives are being changed we have ministries around the globe that are changing people's lives and god is doing that through our body but what i'm saying is if we as a people will draw even closer to god those ministries could expand exponentially and i'm not interested in that because it's going to make a great name for me i could care less about that what I know is I met three people this week in my daily life who do not understand what we understand. And that breaks my heart. God has been telling us for years how to accomplish this work. For years. We abide. We bless. We commit to community. When Jesus was standing before the armed guards, he said to Peter, shall I not drink from the cup? Look, I know that ministry is difficult. I know that orphan care is hard. But we are called to drink deeply from the same cup, to share the same suffering, and to experience the joy and freedom of being able to, like Jesus, choose to do hard things for the sake of others. You think back on your life. Some of the most memorable times in my life is where I suffered greatly for the sake of someone else. 
God keeps giving the same message over and over. He keeps telling us that, that we are called to be a people. A people that joins Him to set others free. And that message is not going to change just because we finished the book of Exodus. The call to abide, the call to bless, the call to community, those things are not going to go away because we changed pastors. It's who we are. It's what we're called to do. Look, I know that today's heavy. It's been heavy for me this week. But I also know that there are people in our lives that desperately need hope. And we know where to get it. Today I want to end with the Lord's Supper. Glenn, Glenn mentioned this week, and, I, and just when he said it, it was like, yes. In Matthew 26, um, where he records the Last Supper, it says that Jesus, after the meal completed, he took the bread. And he's sitting at a table with 12 of his closest friends, and he takes this bread and he tears it. And he says, this is my body that is broken for you. When you eat, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood which was poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And so today as we come, as we take these elements, my hope for myself, for you, my prayer has been that we will understand what it means to share in the suffering of Christ for the sake of others. That this life is not about me. Your life is not about you. Our lives are wrapped up in Jesus. And if we are going to be His people, we will do the things that He does. Let's pray. And then come forward for the elements. God, my hope for today, my prayer for today is that you have, you have spoken into our lives. And God, that you will, through this week, that you will reveal your call for us individually in the area of orphan care, but also in the area of joining you to set people free. The people that have been in our lives that we have just simply not seen. God, we know your heart. We know what's important to you. God, I ask that you would bridge the gap in our lives. That you'd help us to see you for who you are. That you would work in such a way that the things that are important to you will become important to us. So Father, today as we take this bread and we drink from this cup, please help us to understand that. Work it in us in a way that it has not been done before. Father, we love you. And thank you for suffering on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.